Hello, and welcome to the Be Bold Fitness Podcast, the show where we talk about different topics in the health, wellness, and fitness space. No topic is off limits here. I'm your host, Tessa Breeden, certified personal trainer and nutrition specialist with a passion for helping busy adults tone up, lose body fat, and feel good. Shay, I am so excited to talk to you today, as we were just saying before we started recording, that I love hearing about things I'm not super educated on, and so I'm really excited to dive into really just like how to tap into your feminine self. I think a lot of women want to know how to do this, but one, don't even know what that means, and two, just like don't even know what to do it. So I'm just going to like start off strong and go right into your specialty of just like talking about phases of your menstrual cycle. Okay, perfect. I love it. Let's just get right into it. (laughs) Yeah, so the phases of the menstrual cycle, I really like to teach it to people in seasons. So think of it as seasons of the cycle. So just how the earth experiences four distinct seasons, we as women experience four distinct seasons in a month. Generally, anywhere between 22 to 35 days is an ideal cycle length. It's going to vary from person to person, and you'll experience more of the cyclical waves. Um, Generally, if you're off of the birth control pill, some women who are on, on the IUD will experience it as well, but it's just independent. This is more like if you're deciding to come off of the pill or you're off of it, you'll experience it more readily and be more aware of it. But that's not to say that you're not still moving through some of those pieces if you are on some sort of birth control. So starting with day one of the cycle, which many women think is right, day one is when you're done bleeding. But the first day of your full bleed, like when you're needing to use a pad or a tampon or something, that is day one of your cycle. And the last day is the day before you start bleeding again. So that's what's considered an entire cycle length. It starts with menstruation. Um, That's, of course, when you're like bleeding, you have your period. Your hormones are generally at their lowest. Um, I equate it to winter season of Earth. So if you think of winter time, we're wanting to be more cozy. Things are feeling more cold. You're eating more you know, rooted vegetables, warming soups, things like that. That's what's happening with your body hormonally. So if you equate what we experience in the winter season of like earth season, that's what's Mm -hmm. happening internally for our hormones. And then from there, you move into follicular phase. I relate that back to earth season of spring. So just like spring, the sun is starting to come out. The days are getting longer. You're getting excited because you can be outside more. You're having more energy to want to do things. The flowers, the trees, everything's starting to bloom. Internally, that's also what's happening hormonally. So your hormones are starting to rise, more specifically your estrogen, which gives you that like added boost of energy. This is where you start to kind of come out of that like, I don't want to talk to anybody face or some of the PMS that some people experience and you're like ready to do things again. It's also the most productive time of your cycle. So it's a great time to structure your work life, your social life, all those kinds of things around knowing that that's going to be your most productive week just because of what's happening hormonally and then how your ovaries speak to your brain. So that's really exciting part of that piece. From there, you move into ovulation phase which um, is often linked to your fertility health as well. And ovulation, I always relate that to summer. In the summertime, it's like 
you're super social, you're outside all the time, you're planning like happy hours, lots of trips, things like that. It's your most social time of the cycle. It's when your hormones are at its peak because your body is literally asking like, hey, I'm ready to have a baby. So you have this more like magnetic, confident energy to you. It's, I like to teach a lot of my clients if like you're someone in partnership or you're dating, that's the best time to do it because you're going to feel your best because your hormones are supporting you that way. You're going to feel the sexiest during that time because of what your hormones are doing. And you're going to exude confidence through your communication as well because of what your hormones are doing. So you allow it to really support you there. Um, If you aren't an entrepreneur or something like that, it's the best time to like be on camera recording the things like this podcast or things for your YouTube, all that kind of good stuff is the best time to do during your ovulation. Um, And much how you would eat for spring and summer, think of it that way. You're eating more raw foods, fruits, smoothies, um, all that kind of stuff to support your hormones nutritionally. And then from there, we move into luteal phase, which most people often think of this as like PMS week or weeks because it's where most women will experience like the tender breasts, the bloating, the fatigue, mood swings, maybe acne breakouts. It's really the most like disliked time of the cycle. (laughs) But when you can support yourself through each of the phases, you actually will find a lot, a lot of harmony during this phase. So I also like to think of it as one of the times where you get to life audit because of what your brain's doing. So one of my favorite facts of the cycle is the fact that your brain chemically and structurally changes by nearly 25% from the first half to the last half of your cycle. So if you're wondering like why the hell you feel like a different person, it's because your brain literally changed and it changed like your chemical makeup as well. So the way in which you assess your life, you receive your life is going to feel very different, which I think ties in perfectly to the other topic of like embracing your femininity because it's you will become hyper aware of the things that do and do not work or the things you like or dislike majorly about people in your life or maybe your job or about yourself. It's because you are primed on a neurological level to be able to see those things. But when you learn to work with it, it can become like a real gift. And so luteal phase, I think of it as the fall season as well. So your hormones are starting to dip you know, the air is changing, it's starting to get cold. So same thing with your hormones as they're lowering internally, you're becoming more like cold. And I put that in like air quotes. So you're experiencing just a completely different way of being. And so you have to support yourself nutritionally um, and emotionally because of that phase of your cycle as well. So that is it in a nutshell. (laughs) No, I love that. And I think that's super helpful. And obviously when I did some of my nutrition coaching, we've actually learned a lot about this because You mentioned it in seasons, but I think it's also important to note that some of the things you said about your body responding to certain hormones or wanting maybe like warmer foods, things like that is really important because the same goes for our nutrition. Like we have to be at least aware of it. And something that I was always really unaware of was the fact that because I do have an IUD, I thought that I didn't ovulate or didn't go through cycles and while I was actually getting one of my certifications, they're like, some women that have IUDs do ovulate. And I was like, what the hell? I was like, no doctor told me this in the past five years that I've had this thing. And that was like mind blowing to me. And it totally shifted the way that I paid attention to my body. Cause I was like, I still feel bloated or I still feel like irritable. And I'm like, but why? Because I have an IUD, so I shouldn't be experiencing this. And it was like mind blowing to me. Like I truly don't know how I did not know that for five years. 
<laughs> that's okay I feel like there's women who live in their bodies for years and years and years and are just like wait I didn't even know that day one of your cycle was when you started bleeding like it's just not information that they teach us honestly unfortunately too <laughs> also side note I'm laughing because as I mentioned I'm staying with one of my friends right now and I can hear squeaking in the background from both sides and I'm like oh my gosh we're like having serious conversations and we both have dogs right now that will not stop squeaking their toys and I'm just like laughing (laughs) we keep it really light and fun around here clearly yeah um but no that's awesome like what are some nutrition tips you might have for women going through these different phases of their cycles Yeah. So I really like to think of it as, think of it as metabolism and digestion. So super simplified, your metabolism, your digestion's a lot slower in the first half of your cycle, which is why eating lighter, more raw foods, you don't even need to do raw diet, but just lighter foods in general is going to be most supportive for you in that first half of your cycle. Because follicular and ovulation, you can eat very, very similarly because your digestion's in that same um, kind of way of like, it's not as quick. So it's going to take longer to digest the food, which is why it's better to eat lighter. Versus in the latter half of your cycle, what your hormones are doing, you actually need to eat more. So this is why, you know, if you're someone who struggles with like yo-yo dieting, or you're having struggle maintaining a certain weight, or you're yo-yoing a lot, um, know that your digestion, your metabolism speed up and they change in the second half of your cycle. So you actually on like a general rule of thumb need anywhere between 200 to 250 more calories a day. So thinking of it that way, knowing that if you, you're, you're needing to feed yourself more of those nutrient dense, like carbs, um, I know carbs get a bad rap sometimes, but like, Oh, we love carbs around yeah. here. Like nutrient-dense carbs, um, really eating breakfast, changing your diet in that way from the first half to the second half is going to be so, so supportive with how you feel, especially if you're someone who experiences energy dips. This is something I find all across the board with women that I work with is that we grow up in a society that like breakfast is not a very important meal for a lot of people. Yeah. It's like, like getting a bagel or a grab and go or a quick yogurt and then coffee, that is so hard on the so body. Bad general but for your hormones and especially in the latter half of your cycle you're setting yourself up to be a miserable person yeah so it's super important to build some sort of breakfast especially in the that like second half of your cycle like as you get into luteal phase building into your bleed think of it as like a bear getting ready to like hibernate for winter that's what you're needing to do for your body getting ready to prepare to bleed it's it's a very big process that your body's going through that you may not be aware of but if you experience fatigue or PMS or anything like that, your breakfast is so important in all phases, but especially in the second half. So just know that lighter, lighter foods in the first half, and then you can ramp it up in the second half because your digestion actually um, changes. So your body adjusts for what you need nutritionally. And um, I know you teach a lot of just like listening to your body's rhythms and what it's asking for. It's the same thing with your hormones. And if you're experiencing particular cravings, then it could mean you have a nutrient deficiency. So that's also something to look into as well. 
Yeah, and I always try to tell women that really the big thing is when you are on your period, our bodies actually, like you said, hormones in particular respond a certain way, but our bodies use carbohydrates as their main source in that phase while you are menstruating. And so it's really important, like you said, having that nutrient-dense breakfast, that's a good opportunity to maybe do like a sweet potato hash, start incorporating in oats, things like that, because our bodies are going to respond really well to those carbohydrates. I obviously do nutrition coaching for women. And yes, your cravings are going to increase. A lot of people are craving sweets, things like that. Those are fast acting carbs. That is what sugar is. Our body is craving carbohydrates. And so if we are giving it nutrient dense carbohydrates, giving it more fruits, giving it great veggies, giving it again, things like oats and whole wheat and all of these great things, our body responds really well to that. And it's happy. And if you have a coach and they are tracking your cycle, it's a really good opportunity to even take a diet break once a month or whatever that looks like for them so that they can have that uh, little bit of an addition. And maybe if somebody is in a calorie deficit and they don't have the opportunity to do that additional 200 calories or whatever, finding an average that works and making sure that client is obviously still staying on top of things and regulating hormones and things like that. Yeah, exactly. And if I mean, anybody, I know there's like, keto is really big, intermittent fasting is really big, all of those things, you can still do it. But something to keep in like mind with the nutritional component is a lot of the diets that are out there that like work really well for people. It's usually from like clinical trials of that of men who only work on like a circadian rhythm, which their hormonal component is in a 24 hour process. So what a man experiences in 24 hours, we experience in a 28 to like 35 day process. So you can still do those types of diets and stuff, but build it around the first half or the second half of your diet. So a plain example, if you do intermittent fasting and keto, great in the first half of your cycle, not so much in the second half. If you're someone who's really stands by like, paleo style eating really great in the second half of your cycle, not so much in the first half of your cycle. So there's ways to make it work because every body is different. Mm-hmm. And when you start to layer in the hormonal component, you unlock, it's like biohacking for your body. And <laughs> so you're yeah. going to just unlock so, so much more potential from your workouts to how you're feeling your energy reserves and how your cycle feels as well. Yeah. I mean, we don't really preach a lot of like keto and intermittent fasting around here. Like you said it, I like most of these studies have been done on men. I try and explain this to people. Men, bless their hearts, respond differently to a lot of diets. Now I know men listen to this podcast as well. And so one, this might not be their favorite episode, but it's great to be educated on and really understand. But yeah, men and women respond completely different to diets, to different foods, to I mean, everything. We're two very different DNA makeups, you know? And so it is really important to know that when you are doing that keto or intermittent fasting or whatever you're doing, that maybe it is working, but also maybe reevaluate and see if it actually is working for you. Because at the end of the day, those are all just um, reducing your calories anyway. And we know a caloric deficit is what helps you lose weight. But that's an episode for another time. That's <laughs> like myself, yeah. Okay, so I want to talk about FAM or what is known as Fertility Awareness Method. I just recently learned about this via Instagram, thank goodness for the internet, but it's something I'd actually never heard of because I don't think doctors really teach this. Maybe they do or, I mean, I've always been, it's either 
you get an IUD that's 99% effective or you are abstinent or, (laughs) you know, so what are obviously, yes, there's birth control. There is being celibate. There are other contraception options, but can you tell us a little bit about what FAM even is? Like what, what in the heck is the fertility awareness method? It's exactly as it sounds. So we as women, we have fertility biomarkers. There's four distinct ones. There's your cervical mucus, your basal body temperature, your LH testing, which stands for luteinizing hormone, and then there is your cervical position. So I think the beauty of where we're at now in terms of information and what we know about women's bodies is that there is a way to actually track your cycle through fertility so that you can avoid pregnancy or achieve pregnancy, depending on which one you're wanting. You can do it either way. And so context like birth control was created, obviously, like majorly during the baby boomer era, where we did not have the information in the same ways that we have readily available now. So it was absolutely necessary back then to be able to control the rate of Um, conception and how many people were like how we were growing as just like a society back then versus now it's you know like the way it's evolved a lot more women don't want to be on it because it's messing up their hormones or it's delaying their ovulation or they're not able to get pregnant so I think just like in general the rise of like more holistic living is occurring so fertility awareness method now it focuses there's a few different ones the ones that i've learned is a simple i can never pronounce it it's like such a tongue twister for me but it's like simple simple thermal method um which basically gives you all the four fertility biomarkers so you track your cervical mucus um you track your basal body temperature you do LH testing right around your fertile window, and then you can check your cervical position if you want to. By doing that, you will know the ide- like the ideal fertile window, which is when you would either abstain from sex or you would use like male and female condoms and maybe like spermicide, or you explore different ways so that you don't get pregnant. Because there's an, a big misconception that you can get pregnant at any point in your cycle, but there's actually really only just based off of the female body, a 24-hour to 48-hour window where you can actually get pregnant. But because how long the male sperm can live in the vaginal tract, it's a five to seven-day window if you want to be more gracious because the sperm can live longer. But that is the only reason why otherwise. So with this method, you essentially, I think, empower yourself to really know your body real well so that when you want to achieve pregnancy, you've got that re- you've you've got your fertility window down. Or if you're wanting to avoid, you have that down. I think it also deepens relationships. I find a lot of my clients, when they practice this method, they know their own libido so much better. They know what they want more. And I think often women are afraid to like use their voices, being like, "This is what I want," especially in partnership. Like, I don't like that. You know, you don't want to come off as like being rude or whatever it is. And so I find that this method not only can help you prevent pregnancy and have like a natural form of birth control, but it also really empowers you in just using your voice and your sex life, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's great. So you mentioned libido. Does this help you? Because I hear a lot of times from clients just kind of depending on where they're at in their cycle, depending on what their nutrition looks like, depending on what their training looks like. 
I actually ask all of my clients where their libido's at. I think it's so important, but I noticed that so many women are experiencing low libido, whether that has to do with birth control or whether that has to do with other hormones. I saw something on your Instagram in regards to like saying like, oh, my libido is low. Like what are your, can you tell us a little bit about that? I'm like, can you dive into that for me? So the way I view libido is like twofold. Yes, there is the component of like, maybe it's the way you're eating. Um, Maybe it is something hormonal. Maybe it is your birth control, like the Mm -hmm. more tangible piece of what could be wrong, like the diagnosis. But underneath the diagnosis is an even deeper root cause. And I find that as I work with my clients on harmonizing their hormones and then we start talking about libido more they're just like okay well I don't feel comfortable in the bedroom because I don't want to like ask for this I don't want to be judged for this I just feel like the way our sexuality or sensuality as women is is very very like it could be shameful and a lot of women me included grew up just like you Mm -hmm. don't talk about that you don't share about those which creates a lot of suppression and emotional suppression and a lot of women not asking for what they want so And then on top of that, like a lot of women have to fight a little harder for their careers and, you know, push against the grain because we live in a more patriarchal society and it's not geared to support women's growth, that there's an added level of stress, emotional stress and emotional suppression. So when I go into the work a little layer deeper, I find that it's a lot of women just being afraid to fully express what they desire because they're going to come off as too much or they're going to be a bitch or like know what we want in pleasure but it's like no 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 most of them are lost without us so you get to ask for what you want so I feel like it's twofold it could be something on like a contextual level of like maybe it's nutrition all that but then also taking a look at lifestyle factors like how are you managing your stress because your stress response is regulated through your hormones as well and so not only that is like do you feel comfortable asking for what you want and knowing how to do it in a way that's not delivered where it feels like this this knife like the delivery is like a knife it's more like this like this is what I desire and like how do you create that in an art yeah talking about our bodies and talking about what we want can be so uncomfortable especially if you've been shot down for expressing something before like I will never forget that I had a partner and I told him that my anxiety at that time was really high. It was like probably at a point where my anxiety was at its worst. And he basically told me that I would never be able to enjoy sex because I was too anxious of a person. And that just kind of sticks in your mind. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I'll never be able to enjoy anything because my anxiety is controlling me. But that's really not the case. And so again, when somebody shuts you down, it's automatically just like a shot right into the heart. And you're like, damn, you just shot me down and put this negative connotation, this negative thought into my mind. And I think it's so important for me. A lot of it was talking to a therapist and maybe it's a coach, maybe it's a therapist, maybe it's whoever, but I found that so helpful for people just to be like, no, like that person, like we're not letting that energy in. Like, absolutely not. Like we're not letting somebody else's bad energy into your life. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I feel like when it comes to libido, it's also so misconstrued that like, 
I mean, men, it doesn't really take very much for them to be mm-hmm. excited to be. But for women, it's more than just the body parts. Like you have to emotionally feel safe. You have to feel safe in your body. You have to, it's just so many different layers. So also just like reminding yourself of like what context helps you feel good and it could start well before you even enter the bedroom so I think like discovering that exploration with like eating right and mindset and emotional health and your hormones is really what combines like having a health for sure and I talked about this on another episode that I did and we talked about the rosy wellness app it was actually something that was recommended to me by my gynecologist and she was like hey if you are like having any issues or like need to talk to somebody they have sex therapists they have like stories you can read they have a lot of information on there and I think it's so helpful I've actually sent it to a few clients who are like hey I'm struggling a little bit with my partner and it's a really awesome resource but uh, yeah it's and it's such a like an uncomfortable thing to talk about because women don't know also how to talk about it with their friends. Like as women, we want community. And so when we are having issues or we are having certain struggles, we want to be able to talk to our friends, but it can be really uncomfortable to go up to our friends and be like, Hey, I have no sex drive. What do I do? And they're like, I don't know, try this and this. And like, maybe that doesn't work for you. And so what your friend's telling you is not always helpful, but again, it's a really uncomfortable conversation. And like, what are you supposed to tell your partner? And like, what if they take it the wrong way that they're not the ones turning you on, but it's really not them. It's something internal that's happening with you. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's just like such a huge stigma around it and especially as like a woman. So I feel like that's what gets to break. Right. Yeah. I feel like there's (laughs) so many things as women that we are uncomfortable talking about, but then sometimes don't admit that we're uncomfortable. So as I mentioned, I have an IUD. So I've had my IUD for five years. I just got a new one. So (laughs) another seven years or whatever. And I, I personally like birth control. I've had a really good experience on birth control. So I've never needed to go off of it. And I'm not at a point in my life where I'm really want to be off of it because again, I haven't had any negative experiences from it so far. And so I think obviously that's not the same for everybody, but because I feel like I've been on it for such a long time, I think I've gotten really uncomfortable talking about periods and I like, how do people learn how to get more comfortable talking about their bodies, talking about periods? Cause like, it's a weird thing to talk about sometimes or let's see again. I think it's a weird thing, but maybe it's really not. It's really not that weird. I feel like, it all also stems down to just like conditioning, yeah. you know, there's a lot of cultures where they even consider like if a woman is bleeding that they're dirty. And I feel like from a very young age, just women were never empowered about their cycles. I think it's also one of those things where it still kind of doesn't make sense. Like, yeah, there's science behind it, but like, it's still really crazy to to even scientists that like there's this body that like bleeds and brings life and like create a human. Like if you really think of it ethereal, it's kind of like hard for our brains to wrap around. And I think just by natural over the course of time, it was just one of those things that was Uh just not talked about. So everyone across the board in society just feels like, Oh, that's like taboo. It's a taboo topic. It just was placed in that category. And 
you're strange if you do talk about it. So until you kind of start to look at your own thinking processes of of why you even think that is where where it really shifts and starts. But I also think it's so normalized to think it's weird. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> at the, yeah, when it's just like, well, this is literally how all of us exist is because women bleed and the bleed, like your blood is essentially an egg that wasn't born. Yeah, so. and I feel like it's you have to get a little bit more comfortable about it because when you do get in a relationship, I'm like, oh my God, I haven't had a period in six years and the minute I am like get my IUD taken out and I'm in a relationship I'm like I don't even know how I'm gonna like talk to a man about this and that was actually one of the questions somebody had asked me they wanted to know how to approach having sex on your period yeah so I feel like first and foremost it always starts with like okay what part of you isn't comfortable like do you feel like do you feel like it's dirty? Do you feel like it's uncomfortable? Like, I think getting to the root of like, why? I guess that my follow up question would be like, do you want to have sex on your period? Some women do some some women don't. If you're someone who's like, I want to, but I don't know how to bring it up, because I'm assuming that's probably where they were going with it is, if you want to just what's going to make you feel comfortable in your body? Is it laying down a blanket where you can just free bleed and you and your partner are able to like explore sexually is it you know exploring in the shower um things like that I think finding out what's going to make you feel comfortable while you're bleeding so that you can just drop into your body and enjoy the process of being intimate with your partner and if it's about bringing it up to your partner I think most men generally like from my personal experience, like talking to my guy friends, they're like, oh, like I'm not grossed out about that. But most of the time, like the women are grossed out about it. So if you set the tone, then he's going to be open to it. And it can be a really great, delicious process for you. So I think it comes down to like, what's going to make you feel empowered and comfortable to have that desire? We got to get some more mature men up in here. But no, again, I think it really comes down to you communicating that with your partner, finding out what, I mean, it's obviously a consensual relationship. You have to know what the other person is comfortable with, but also wanting to share what you're comfortable with. And like we already mentioned, asking for what you want. And although it can be really uncomfortable to have these conversations, I kind of always view it as there's going to be either a yes or a no. (laughs) Like, what do you have to lose by bringing it up? Even if it is uncomfortable, if it's something that you're interested in exploring, then I guess bring it up. And if you have a partner that loves and cares for you, they will respect the communication and the conversation and be open to it. Are there like ways that are better than others or is it really preference? I feel like it's truly preference. Um, on how how like you want to go about that and it really yeah exactly like you said it really does come down to just like expressing the desire but if you're someone who's like I kind of I want to have sex on my period if that's a desire then it's, it's meant for you I always feel like if you're wanting something to occur in your life it's because something far greater than you is wanting you to have it so you get to like ask for it and um asking for what you want can just exactly be very very uncomfortable in general so totally natural so set yourself up for success in whatever way is possible or do it well before your period starts like I was saying earlier ovulation is the best time to have like those uncomfortable conversations because hormonally you're supported with 
just like confidence. So maybe you bring it up then and be like, you know, I want to maybe explore having period sex. And then as it gets there, like your partner's prepared for that and you get to decide together how you want to create. And if your hormones are supporting all of this like sexiness within you, like maybe you wear something really sexy when you approach this conversation and then he'll be like, hell yeah, absolutely. You can't say no. Yeah, I love that. So I'm going to veer off just a little bit. We talked about fam. We talked about very briefly about birth control, contraception, things like that. But I'd love to talk about people that are looking to get pregnant. We've obviously mentioned a lot of how do we not get pregnant, but then there's the flip side of things. So people that are trying to get pregnant, is natural family planning a solid option? How does one get started? Like, what does that typically look like? Yeah, I mean, I feel like, of course, properly preparing your body to come off of birth control if you're someone who's been on it. Like, it can take anyone anywhere between four months to a year for your body to really regulate. So if you're someone who knows you want to have a child or start trying for a child sometime in the next two years and you're on birth control, I would say, right, like start preparing your body to get off of birth control so you have a very easeful detox transition and then start cycle syncing like your food and your life, just like everything we talked about at the beginning, like really understanding your four phases, being able to do that. From there, you are going to be naturally supporting your fertility. And if you utilize the fertility awareness method, then you'll be able to pinpoint increasing your chances to achieve pregnancy like that much more. Um, The closer you can get to your ovulation, you have, I think it's like a 60% chance higher rate of conception versus if you're kind of just like, well, let's just do it and like, like see what happens. And so I think that like preparing your body to come off of birth control, giving yourself that space I would say a minimum of like four to six months of getting your body ready to start the trying process so that you're not undergoing the emotional stress and figuring out like what's wrong if your cycle doesn't come back right away because that is a very real thing. So I always say the more you prepare ahead of time, the easier your transition off of birth control to trying to conceive will be. And it'll take off a lot of, lot of stress from the Okay. And coming off of birth control can be really scary. I think a lot of women are terrified to come off of the pill or get their IUDs taken out. Again, I'm coming from experience. Like I am terrified. I want the IUD to stay in me. And people think I'm crazy. But again, it's just my personal choice of what I like and what works for me. What should women coming off of birth control know? It, it, is it good for them? Is it bad for them? Are they going to experience symptoms? It is hard to tell, but I will say a good general rule of thumb is if you were someone who went on the birth control because you had cycle issues before, then those like that is the audience that I would really talk to to start preparing your body to come off of it now. Because if you went on birth control because you had irregular cycles, you're experiencing really bad PMS, or maybe um, your bleeds were really heavy or whatever type of Mm -hmm. symptom you were experiencing, the birth control, unfortunately, is a Band-Aid. So it's not 
supporting you. It's more specifically if you've been on the birth control pill, you're not even having a real period. It's it's just like a placebo effect of like your body having withdrawals, kind of like how a drug addict has. It's like a withdrawal bleed. It's not a real period. So if you are someone in that category, really, really important that for about four months before you decide to come off of the pill, um, the book Woman Code is really, really great, easy, affordable resource that you can follow kind of that cycle syncing protocol. You can also look up like what's the best foods to eat in every single phase of the cycle and start eating like that. And when you do that and you prepare your body for those four months before, when you come off of the birth control, you have kind of the nutrients that your body needs to detox in a better way, which is already going to set you up for success to start harmonizing your hormones and continue that process until you start to really, really regulate. And hopefully for most women, if you do do it that way, you don't have to experience that horrible like detox of the birth controls pill specifically. Um, If you're on an IUD, generally speaking, I feel like the transition's usually not as bad, but you can do the same exact thing and you set yourself up for success because the IUD is a lot less invasive on your hormones and your body in comparison to the pill. So that, that would be like my best practice for people who maybe have a fear is like know that there's actually a way that you can support yourself so that you don't have to experience like this horrible, horrible way of coming off of birth control. Like for me, it was a very seamless transition. And I was someone who had really bad PMS before. And now like I experienced nothing because I followed my own process. That's great because there's mixed information out there. I've heard a lot that having super painful or super heavy periods in terms like in meaning that they are miserable for people is not actually normal. And there's like this idea out there that we've normalized or romanticized having bad periods and being really cranky and irritable and being miserable for an entire week. But I, that's not normal, right? No, it is not normal. Like it's just exactly like you said, it's been completely normalized versus in some ways, like my, period like my bleed leading into it is some of the most like euphoric times of my like cycle it's just like because I've harmonized my body like I don't really experience PMS anymore I don't really experience bloating I don't really get cramps like it gets you get to really feel good it doesn't have to be this drastic change in the body it's just it really truly has been normalized that that is the case when it's yeah that's kind of scary uh that we again it's so weird to me that (laughs) in the culture and the society we live in so many things are normalized and people just think that they are essentially intended to live miserable lives and that it's okay and there's things that we can just throw on top of them to make them better like when I first started experiencing anxiety for example I truly, truly, truly thought like this is my personality and I am just supposed to live like this forever. And when I started seeing a therapist, they she was like, well, one, this is like a lot of people feel this way and it's pretty normal. And I'm sure you have friends that feel this way. And she's like, and you don't have to feel this way forever. And I was like, what? I was like, I get to be happy. And she's like, uh, yeah. And so I feel like it's the same thing yeah. with that or I had a conversation last night with one of my girlfriends and we were talking about how 
how common it is to hear about your friends drinking a lot of alcohol and how we've like romanticized getting drunk. And it's such a weird concept. Like it's so normal to be like, oh yeah, Johnny gets wasted every weekend. Like that's so weird, right? We live in a very backwards way of living sometimes, but it's also kind of like the quote, like misery loves company. And we live unfortunately in a society that's more sick than they are thriving. And it's like, to see another person thrive all the like internal humanness of judgment or like oh blah 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 comes up and I just feel like I don't know where it started I couldn't pinpoint the root cause of that but it's definitely just I'm like that's not the world I want to live right in. no I totally get that so last thing I really want to dive into are regular periods because I will see this a lot and most specifically I will notice it and can really pinpoint in clients when they're dieting. So for example, if clients are eating low calories, that changes our hormones quite a bit. And the more education I've received, I've really focused on the hormone health of my female clients because I don't think a lot of coaches are educated on protecting the right ratio for macronutrients to support hormones. But what it or why might somebody be having irregular periods if they're not pregnant or why are they missing periods maybe it doesn't have to do with diet necessarily but are there like some common reasons that could be happening or should people get their hormones tested what is the process it can i mean if you're gonna do a hormonal test like i always find like having the hormonal report cards great but do it through a company that does like the saliva testing because blood work is not as accurate for hormonal testing so there's a really great company called your hormone balance that does a saliva test which allows you to pinpoint better what's going on with your hormones but if you have irregular cycles or you have a missing period yes it could be linked to food but more than anything, it just means you're not ovulating. If you do not have healthy fertility, then you will not have a healthy cycle. And fertility linked more specifically to ovulation, because if you're not ovulating, then you're not going to have your period. Because the point of ovulation is that, you know, follicle releases an egg, the egg will either turn into a human or you're going to bleed. That's really the way it works. So if you're not having ovulation, it could be a multiple, multiple things. But I always say first start with like, managing stress. So stress response is really, really huge. And I'm sure like cortisol is a really big hormone that is affects everything. So that could be, you know, your sleep, um, which will also of course affect how like you're wanting to eat. Um, and even inflammation, like stress doesn't have to look just as like on like stress because something at mm-hmm. work could be inflammation in the body. Because if you don't, feel safe in your body on all levels, you're not going to ovulate. That's just something that happens across the board. So the more you can regulate your body, your nervous system, your mental, emotional health, that's going to help support you in being able to ovulate. So I would always say looking at stress response, both in the literal sense and then inflammation in the body. Um, The second thing is there could be an imbalance of estrogen to progesterone. Um, You'll kind of know this if you're someone who has an irregular cycle where like one month you bleed, the next month you don't, the next month you bleed. Start checking to see what the color of your blood is. If it's really, really dark, then you could have a progesterone deficiency. If you're experiencing really bad PMS, more like mood swings, lots of breakouts, um, 
really tender breasts and bloating, it could be um, like a rise of estrogen. I find um, estrogen dominance is more common. So kind of finding ways to combat the two, because those are your main two hormones that sort of help regulate. Um, It could be that like certain hormonal levels are low, but of course you wouldn't know that without testing. And then um, if you have missing periods altogether, then there's definitely some sort of underlying hormonal thing going on and your body just like not feeling feeling safe so it's it's a culmination of the two processes yeah I had someone on and she had said something that was like so profound to me that we are created to survive not to thrive and our bodies are basically in a constant state of fight or flight like Our bodies have no idea that we've evolved to really where we are. They do to some degree, but they still have those responses that were created inside of us that we really can't change. And we talked about this a little bit earlier, but you mentioned breakfast being a really big thing. And I see so many women and men as well, but they'll have coffee for breakfast. And coffee is not breakfast. So let me put that out there. But that's just... Adding caffeine to our bodies is a stressor. Having Doing hard workouts, that's a stressor. Like That's why I preach to a lot of women who maybe are missing a period that we can't do HIIT workouts. Like They're all like, we want to do cardio. And I'm like, you guys, like we genuinely, like if you do not have a period or you have irregular periods, like you have to look at stress levels. Alcohol, major stressor on our bodies. Relationships, like we have different types of stress and our bodies don't know how to respond differently to stress. It responds to all stress stimuli the same way. So whether you're drinking a lot, whether you're not sleeping, whether you're doing hard workouts and you're adding on cardio and then work is really hard. Like all of these things are just like a culmination of bad stuff that's happening and our body's like basically giving us the bird and it's like F you. (laughs) It's just trying to survive. And if it's not in that safe environment, then you don't have a period. It's crazy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I found that to be like the yeah. best thing. And that's probably a quote I use every single day is that we were built to survive, not thrive. Exactly. It's like, no, we want to thrive, guys. <laughs> There's ways to do yeah. it. <laughs> so Shay, tell me a little bit about your program, kind of what you do for women, where women can find you, because you are like the guru on all of this. I find that we've obviously known each other since college and just the transformation about your education has really shifted over. And I love talking about this with somebody who's so passionate about it. So tell me what you're working on, where people can find you, all those sorts of things. Yeah. So it's funny that you're saying we're primed to survive, not thrive, because I'm in the process and getting ready to launch a membership platform all about love thriving. It. So it's called Flirty for and thriving. So it's really bringing all of this kind of information in like a very lifestyle way, not just focusing on the fact of like having a harmonized menstrual cycle. Yes. But how do you bring like cyclical living as a lifestyle, which is going to help everything. Um, so I'm in the process of that. That membership will be ready very, very soon. So I'm really excited. Um, you can find me in the Instagram world. That's mostly where I hang out. It's just at Shea Frago. I do have a YouTube channel that you can dive into, like more long form video and education that way. And I work with clients in either one-to-one or group settings. So you're always welcome to like reach out and have a conversation. I love talking about this stuff, obviously. And there's 
there's so much more I can go into. So definitely. Say awesome. <laughs> well, this has been so fun. I really appreciate you just taking the time, kind of walking us through the seasons of cycles, talking about birth control, talking about all the things. I think that this is going to be a really, really well-received episode and I'm sure people are going to want more information. So Again, I will put all of your information. I'm also going to put the book you mentioned. You mentioned a couple other resources that I will put in the show notes so people can go back to reference those. But Shay, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. And as a reminder to everyone to be bold, to be confident, and to be you. We'll be right back.